0: With a little spice of class, a dash of homebrew, and a touch of the rules, and you have Chef Bogue's and the Pirate Captain's Recipes for Everything. This is it. This is the flagship one. This is our first podcast. We're coming out here. There's going to be a lot to this. Oh, man. With me is Chef Bogue. I am the Pirate Captain. A little bit about us. You know, we've been playing D&D for a little while. We're like, you know, we've got to do podcast, everybody else has got one, and I was like, well, as long as we're not going to play the game while we're doing this, everybody's got one of those, and you were the only person that actually decided that, was like, yeah, I, I'll do it with you. I mean, hell yeah. <laughs> why are you talking to your mic bud?
1: Yeah, I mean... It... So... I, we, we could play all day, I mean, literally, when we're going to do later, but... I mean, talking about the actual rules and stuff, I think that's something that is important, because you've got... Way uh, hundreds of different ways to interpret rules. Uh, oh, I agree. And talking about classes, homebrew, all that fun stuff, I think is important to get out there into the world. And I think we have some insight that's different. I,
0: I I would definitely agree with you. There's you know with the people that we've played with, and we've played with a plethora of people. We're probably gonna, I'm I've got plans to get some of those guys to come in there, and even some guys that we haven't seen in quite a bit. Uh some fellow dms just guys that have only played their entire careers, things like that well you know with their insight and how they've helped us to interpret rules because we for a while you know everybody will go to reddit and you'll see plenty of arguments on reddit about you know how this rule takes an effect and how that rule takes an effect, but you, what you don't truly see is you know you you'll hear it, but you're not maybe not understanding it you know yeah. perfect example, I think is the time that we Found that you could have flaming. We were thought you could bounce around the flaming sphere <laughs> and do extra damage. and We were like, this is the greatest thing ever. And somebody's like, well, that's not how I see it. And that was a DM, yeah. and so we lost that flaming sphere.
1: Which is shame because that was yeah a little fun.
0: <laughs> oh, dude, there, and that wasn't the only one. There was a there's a few of those that like the flaming spheres types that you could just bounce around. And I was like, yay! It's like follow the bouncing ball. <laughs> it's a sing along. But oh. We uh, we definitely I, I I think this will be a great premise for what a lot of people I having people that aren't just trying to play and always do their funny voices and stuff like that because you it's fun to do that in games but I just don't I don't think like podcasts are meant to, that like you th- this is something somebody should be able to listen to like partially on their way to work or something like that that's like oh okay what are the what rules are they going to talk about
1: yeah yeah I mean because. Playing the game is a is can be done on podcast, but it's it's honestly much more visual. The best games I can think of are all you know you can see the players, you can see their reactions, that kind of thing yeah. uh but talking about rules, we can do it in front of a mic
0: oh yes, <laughs> very good mic. Oh, I do want to give a little backstory like on why we decided like i I think when you when you're playing the game, you become characters, and everybody has that one character that they truly love. And we, I, I definitely want you to tell the story of Bulg first because that one is a—that's <laughs> like your reoccurring theme. Like when people joke about you, it's because we know that we're going to see somewhat of this same character in all your future characters. So I want you to go ahead and tell people about Bulg.
1: All right, so Bulg, also known as Chef Bulg, he is a eight foot eleven, full blooded orc. Full of strength and constitution, as one would. And he's also a barbarian. But he is also a chef. Uh, this all started because we were in a dungeon and I found a chef's hat and then placed it upon my head. From that moment on, the true bold was born. He had done some things beforehand, such as throwing a certain uh, kinku into a wall. <laughs>
0: I don't even remember that guy, that kinku's name, but that was funny. <laughs> that was just like that was my little like bombadier fa- kinku. I was like, yo, what can I make blow up right now?
1: Did, uh, didn't we throw you into a room with a balor too?
0: Yeah, and I think I ended up like surviving that too somehow. <laughs> like I don't know if I talked my way out or if I was just like,
1: meh. yeah, yeah, no, you ex- you survived because we blew up.
0: Oh, I blew up a lot of things. <laughs> I even killed somebody with caltrops twice. <laughs> just by running them back and forth over the Caltrops. That's what killed me. It was like, that's a legit thing that you can actually kill somebody by having them run over because I think Caltrops do like a D4 damage. Yeah. And you, if you just run them over long enough, D4s add up. Like,
1: don't don't be hating on D4 damage. So, Bolg, um, he's a big dummy. I mean, we're talking six intelligence. <laughs> big old dummy. He talks with a, with a nice, low, gruff uh, Cockney. And he, uh, he has some catchphrases that, that might pop out every once in a while. Like, I did a thing! Uh, or, uh... This or. is
0: where your love of dad jokes started, was with Bog, And I hate it, I hate <laughs> you for it, because the fact that now I'll start going in and I'll do a dad joke, and I was like, God damn it, Bolg.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it's, uh... I'm not dumb, I'm stupid. There's a difference. Yeah,
0: that was actually my favorite. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but, um... He got into all sorts of hijinks. Um, your, your second character, the, uh, w- he was a wizard, I believe. Or oh, yes.
0: No, that wasn't the second character. That was, just, I, that was one after I had died, and I was like, well, I'm going to be a necromancer that's going to, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be like Frankenstein. And I had this lab, and I'll let you tell the story of the lab.
1: Okay, so he, he builds this lab. Nice, beautiful lab. Um, Dead
0: body parts everywhere. Yeah,
1: beautiful. Um, it, it was Bolg's favorite hot this spot to hang out because he likes to eat dead people. So, mm-hmm. there you go. But he's not, a, he's not a cabanable. He does not eat oak. Um, a cabanable?
0: Yeah. Like, <laughs> what, are you serving drinks while you're eating dead people? cabanable
1: yeah. I, I don't know. I'm a <laughs> you, Shua. Uh, um, you had a door to this lab. Clearly
0: marked, too.
1: Clearly marked. And Bolg never once used it. He just used his massive frame to smash through the wall. It didn't matter how much the walls were reinforced or from which direction they were fixed or anything. He just went right through them.
0: I felt like and then not only would you go in one way, you would go out a completely other way. So yes. I wouldn't have, I'd have <laughs> two holes in my wall that I have to fix. Um,
1: uh, it was good.
0: He, he was a great character. Uh, like I said, there's always a remnant when we see these characters Uh, that you've created, there's always that Remnants of Bulg in there. Uh, And I'm happy to tell you I was reading through the new book that just came out, for those of you who are listening to the first one when it comes out, which probably won't be anybody, that's fine. Uh, Tasha's Cauldron of Everything came out, and they actually have a chef feat for you now. And so that way, whenever you decide to recreate it, because we know you will. It's happened twice already. Um, You increase your Constitution and Wisdom score by one to a maximum of 20 Uh, You gain proficiency with cook's utensils. As a part of a short rest, you can cook special food for your friends uh, with ingredients that you have. And you get, uh, you can prepare for four plus a number, four plus your proficiency bonus. So pretty much a party. Once you have four people, excuse me. And then with one hour of work, you finish a long rest, you can cook a number of treats equal to your proficiency bonus. These treats last for eight hours. Um, The creature can use a bonus action to to gain temporary hit points equal to your proficiency bonus. Yeah,
1: it's like a poor man's hero's feast, which uh, Bull in another reincarnation was a cleric and he did have hero's feast and we did use it to copious effect uh, in several different Combats.
0: Yeah, when we get to our w- rules, that you know we're talking about like co- a copious amount of abilities. Um, I have, you know, I, I had this idea of wanting to talk about like DMs and how they can limit players, but I want to actually talk about one ability, and we could we have plenty of time to get into this. Uh, but I do want to talk about the genie, the pact of the genie with warlocks, mm-hmm. and they have this ability where the, he can pull everybody into the, their lamp <laughs> for like ten minutes, and everybody gets the benefit of a short rest.
1: Nice, yeah Which well, hopefully you know stop some people from taking long rests in dungeons,
0: yeah, I think i you know, I think they added that because of that, but I just don't uh I just don't see that they I don't think they thought it too through, I think there's because I don't think there from what I've read, there isn't a limit on it. you can just keep going in and out in and out, so one person can out stay outside of combat and As long as they're outside of combat and stuff like that, then, you know, they're getting their rest. Yeah. But now I guess it's my turn to talk about the pirate captain. He actually has a name. I meant to go actually dig down his name, but most of my characters, because of being in the army, I'm gone for period, copious amounts of time. I'll be gone in January. We'll still be doing the podcast then. I'm going to be bringing my stuff with me. Um, uh, We've talked about how you're going to remote in. That's probably what we're going to do in January. But... Oh, he was this great pirate captain at one time, and, you know, I've seen there's several videos online telling people, like, oh, well, you know, you just, you shouldn't, like, write your characters to be amazing at the start, you know, they gotta start from somewhere, and I was like, well, what if they started great, and then they just fell on hard times, and that's where I was like, well, what about this, this great pirate captain? And he actually ended up being mutinized by his whole by one member of his crew. Was his first mate, who was like, you know, your reign is over. Is like this great pirate. You're gonna come. We're gonna boil you back down. Um, They stab him, throw him off the boat. He is now washes up shore somewhere and dragged to this pirate, this like city of thieves. It was supposed to be like an evil campaign setting that was only like supposed to take part in the city, and then. We had the lockdown, so we really weren't playing that that much. But he was he was just like this... He got into drugs. He got into everything. And so when I actually got to start the campaign, there was a reason he was like... He wasn't very dexterous. He had a decent amount of strength. But he had a lot of constitution because, you know, years of drugs and abuse, he could survive anything. But he was he was one of my favorites because then... You know, not only of the time that I tried to bust through a frame, um <laughs> the barred window, that was like my favorite thing I ever did with him. I was like, I'm going to, he's like, you, what, you're going to try and catch up to your friends. I was like, yeah, I'm going to go dive through that window. And the DM's like, are you sure you want to go through that window? I was like, hell yeah. And I rolled and I actually had a solid roll. I was like, it's an 18. Yeah, I should be able to go through a window. And he goes, you run head first into a uh, cage bars in front of a window
1: and i was like what he's like yeah yeah try to jump through a window in a shitty part of town there's gonna be some bars oh
0: dude it was bad (laughs) i i laughed for hours i had to go find a meme i even made my own meme about it and i was just like "Uh oh but what i i really enjoyed was the dm let me kind of choose how i wanted to address my time being gone because i have to be gone once a month and he was like, well, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, can I just, like, ride the si- write the my own little side story of what's happening in between there? And I started actually, you know, flushing him out as a character. He actually, you know, wasn't a terribly – he wasn't, like, low-key – he didn't need drugs. He just chose to kind of, like, be on him. It just kind of helped him. And Like, he would actually go out and do things for – to help people. He had friends that he's made through the city, but – and – like I said, I, I wanted to go look his name up, and I was like, you know what? I like being called the Pirate Captain, PC, <laughs> which you know that's actually our email. So if anybody ever actually listens to this, they'll you know they'll email us at bulg and pc at gmail dot com. But that's enough about those characters. Um, when we get other people in here, that's my idea too is to have them. They'll tell us their favorite character, and that's who we're gonna call them by when they're here. Like I said, I, I have ideas of who we'll we'll have in here. And that's at a later light. I'm thinking maybe a couple months in of doing this. But anyway, let's get to the real thing that everybody wants to hear about. They want to hear about the rules. I mean, not really, but everybody wants... Yeah, I know. (laughs) Everybody's got that friend, though. Like, I think if you really, truly wanted to be, we could be your rules lawyer. Like, if you ever have a question and you wanted to, you can email us, like, email us your story of what happened, and then we would, we could always, you know, to help you decide on whose ruling was better, and we actually have our own set of rules and uh, ru- rules lawyers that we play with, but they didn't want to be a part of this. Yeah, so, like, no. but I do want to. Uh, we can start with yours, um, just because I don't have the page opened right now to the <laughs> to the um, the page with the warlock and stuff like that. It, like I said, it's a really handy ability, um, but I just think it's one of those deals that. It's kind of, it wasn't well thought out, but it was a sanctuary vessel. Let's see it right here. When you enter the, uh, the genie's vessel via bottled respite, you, uh, you can now choose up to five willing creatures that you can see within 30 feet of you. So, like I said, for most people, like our games we kind of have more than five people. We usually have like eight or nine. Uh, and that's not even including the DM. And they, that kind of like fluctuates between like six to nine people, which is a lot for a game. But you got five people or six people because it's five, including yourself. That as a bonus action, or so you you draw them into your vessel. As a bonus action, you can eject any number of creatures from the vessel, and everyone is uh and everyone is ejected if you leave or die the vessel. So if you kill the, let's say you're just somebody has a bad bad uh, thing going on with the warlock, or he pulls mm-hmm. in somebody that um, was actually there to kill him or something like that, and he dies, everybody gets ejected. In addition, including you, uh, who remains within the vessel for at least 10 minutes, gains the benefit of, fi- of finishing a short rest, and everyone can add your proficiency bonus to the number of hit points they regain if they spend any hit dice as a part of their short rest there.
1: It it reminds me a little bit of, of um, the Bard's um, Song of Rest. Song of Rest. But also has a little bit of a... Uh, kind of a... Uh, What is it? The uh, the hut spell? Yeah, Yeah. the
0: like the all the The ones that tiny hut. Yeah, yeah. They always add, but I like those. But and those those are great. But I feel like yeah, that's it's almost the same thing without that because you are still limited to people. But you know, what's to say that you know you need to take a break? You you want one? Your let's say you have two healers. You know, with a party Mm -hmm. our size, we usually have like two guys that are really adept at healing. You know, what is to keep that one person from like, all right, well, it's your turn to be in the lamp, get in the lamp with the warlock, and now that guy's in there taking a break or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's a great, you know, having to have the warlock there is a great thing, but at the same time, you know, how's that going to affect travel? Now, if you got a druid that can fly, here's my lamp, take the lamp, we're going to fly. Yeah. And now, you know, because the lamp's going to be. I'm just using the lamp because you actually can. Sh- your vessels can be an oil lamp, an urn, a ring with a compartment, a uh, stoppered bottle, hollow statuette, or an ornate lantern. And there's just a lot going on there that I don't think is thought out. It, and it could just be me that I'm thinking how. I get. When you make these rules, like when I played Hero Clicks, the idea was how are, how are you going to use this to break the game? <laughs> because we 're trying to win and, and you 're not and that 's only in hero clicks you 're not essentially trying to win in d and d, but we all uh, there 's always that player and he do, sometimes he doesn't mean harm by it he just doesn 't realize he 's doing it but how you know
1: i i 'll freely admit sometimes i 'm that player i 'll build characters that are there to win and, yeah and be the best in combat. But I always also try to role play. It is important to try and role play, my friends.
0: Yes, yes, I would definitely agree with that. It's a role playing game. Like if you're there just to crunch numbers and stuff like that, you know, you could you can do it. I think that's I think that's a great way to play. If you're just there, maybe you're just there to blow off steam and you want to go hack and slash. But mm-hmm. there are, and I guess that actually does help lead into the uh, to my question from earlier. Is like, what? How as a DM do you limit? your players from doing that. Now we had that issue where, uh, our DM had to limit that, bar- the, the things with barbarians where he had to come back in and go, Hey, look, you guys have to be immune. You can't just be like resistant to damage. Cause you're just going in there and hugging a red dragon and you're not taking any consequences from it. You're just,
1: uh, well that specific instance was a uh, rather large chicken man who would uh, <laughs> fly up with somebody in his grasp and then just drop them. Um, and the thing is is that he could survive those drops as well because he was a barbarian he could just take half damage. Well, one of the things he did was he would he increased the amount of damage you took from falling by yeah. a large margin. So that that type of play it's still a viable strategy, but it also comes with a new level of risk where you're now taking tons of damage from falling from high di- high distances.
0: Yeah. I think, you know, We we get so set into the rules and stuff like that, and they need to be there for, like, a baseline reason. Like, they have to kind of, like, set the guidelines, and, you know, everybody always mentions, well, you should talk with your DM beforehand. Like, okay, and we do. We talk to our DMs, but at the same time, you can't always just, you think that talking to them is going to give them, you're going to get the answer that you want, but... You know, the rules are always up to their interpretation, and the way I tell people even in the Army is, you know, the regulations are always interpreted by the highest-ranking person, which in our case would be the DM. Mm-hmm. You know, just because... And and you get this even in some of our games where um, somebody does something and the DM allows it because he wants to kind of... Maybe he's wanting to see where the story goes, or maybe he just doesn't even know the rule himself. But then he goes... You get the rules lawyer down the table that goes, no, 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 right here, right here it says and and or, you can't do that because it says and and or right here, and you're like, well, hold on, man, let, let the guy have his moment, let him, yeah. let, let's see where this goes.
1: Sometimes the rule of cool is all you need. The rule of cool, <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, I mean, it's it's true, man, I mean, think about, uh, we'll go back to Bulk here, there was a point where I reached fifth level, and I'm like, okay. Bolg is a full orc. He is a follower of Grumsh, the orc god of strength, and he and I was like, well, mm, Bolg is a follower of Grumsh. He's level five, so he's up there in the upper echelons of Bolg for, of, of orc <laughs> forces. And Bolg, he's a b- one Bolg force. <laughs> he is a one Bolg force. <laughs> but, uh, why not do what orcs normally do in service to Grumsh? So what he did is he cut out his eye, and became an eye of Grumsh. There's nothing in the books about doing that. Right. And yet our DM at the time said, you know what? Roll, uh, roll me some, uh, some dice there and, and uh, see if Grumsh hears you. I rolled a 99 out of 100. Grumsh heard my ass.
0: Oh, I would hope so. And, Yo, look, come on.
1: And, there, there, and another moment later on, um, we had gone into a bar. The bartender said, don't forget to tip the bard. So Bull walked up and flipped the bard's chair. Breaking his mandolin and now having to provide entertainment for an entire group. Um, so what I did think he, that was
0: my mandolin.
1: Was it your mandolin? I don't think it was. I don't think it was yours. I think it was. It was just a, a bard that was there in the tavern. Oh. Um.
0: I, I I played so many characters throughout there. Like I my characters come and go just not because I I I don't know. I enjoy being a different character and so I, I don't know. But it could You're right. It probably not.
1: But it was a. It was a situation where he's like, "Well, I don't know what to do. Do you have a pole? Yep. Do you have a ten-foot pole that I could attach to the ceiling in the ground? Roll percentiles. Yep. They have a pole. All right. It's I'm going to roll weird for things per- to have. <laughs> I'm going to roll performance. Natural twenty. The best strip dance that has ever been seen by an eight-foot-tall <laughs> orc <laughs> chef.
0: <laughs> you remember when? Uh when I was, like, t- side DMing and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. I got you guys to do the most awesome tango ever. It I was right that. before Christmas and <laughs> stuff like that. We were just kind of, like, screwed around, and we were having a good. I was like, well, now I need to see you tango. It's a dance-off. And both of y'all rolled Nat 20s, and I was like, well, if that isn't the most amazing tango. And he's, and you and the guy in question that was with you uh, got up and were, like, dancing around, and it was the best part, like, there at the, the store that we played at. It was, yep. it, it was wild. <laughs>
1: There was not a dry pair of panties in the store. Oh no,
0: I, I was creaming on mine all, all hard. So here's here's where we get. Uh, I want to talk about it, uh, the DM's rules. I went and pulled up the page. It said you had to make grapple alternate rules for like you said, no creature more than one size larger can be grappled, regardless of skills, feats, or abilities taken. Uh, really not alternate. Really uh, not an alternate. Just restoring uh, as written. All monsters have athletics and acrobatic for the purpose of grappling saves for grapple attacks. Only if uh, if only if listed in the um, monster manual. I think he was just he really was trying to keep just one game breaking move. And it, like I said, he when he created the character, he wasn't trying to be game breaking. He was really just doing it for fun. Most of the times when we create these characters, that's what we try to do. I don't I, you know. I had a warlock that talked to a talking skull. No one else could see. But then I found a way to like summon demons the entire time and have demons. I was like a warlock from World of Warcraft. It was like, this is my demon. He works for me. And, you know, we kind of let it be to a certain point. Like, we knew that if it got too more powerful, then it would be kind of like game-breaking. But he had to go in there and add these things. And as DMs, I feel that it's, you know, you have to do these things. Because you you start taking away from the other players at your table. Like, you really, truly lose that ability for other players to have fun because you know doing a high amount of damage to some people is a lot of fun it's probably you know you have those like you were saying you have those characters that are there what did they do i did a whole i did a buttload of damage yeah you feel good but if you got one dude that's killing everything every time because he goes and he flies him up to the ceiling and then he drops them down and then he flies them up and he drops them down and they're just like being bludgeoned to death that way and you're like cool i guess i'll just uh Loot the bodies?
1: Yeah, I mean, that, that is also a little bit on the players, though. Because that same game, my character, went from a bow-using, single-shot type of guy... Who was more interested in taking the money to, well, now we've got one person who's dropping bodies from a large height and we're not getting the bonuses for certain abilities that we need for harming things. Right. So he turned into a faux gunslinger with two hand crossbows that was just firing bolts left and right with crossbow expert.
0: And then, I mean, that's a pretty good way to get around it, but what about the players who just like had this, like, kind of like this goal in mind for this character? Like, let's say the pirate captain would have made it to those games because I was out on those COVID orders at the time. The uh the pirate captain, he you know, he had his own goals and dreams and if you're pigeonholed into that guy's way because he's trying to do that, like he can't, you know, be the swashbuckler that he was designed to be. I mean, you're really taking away from him being a pirate. Now you're just making him a guy that's like, All right, cool. You know, how how are you supposed to address that? So I think DMs are truly needing to you know, there are yes, the rules say this. They say um, wood elves have to be elves it's kind of there in the name
1: mm-hmm.
0: but he's like look if you're a human who believes he's a wood elf and you've lived with him your your entire life you could probably I could probably understand you're you're not going to get dark vision but I would give you their racial feats or maybe their racial and you can Amormouss, actually yeah. yeah which you know they changed that in, to- in her cauldron of everything which is actually a really cool thing that they did how they changed race. I thought it was going to be like, I thought it was like on the means of being like super PC. And then I started reading it and understand and thinking about it more. And I was like, Oh no, this is actually really cool. It makes a lot of sense. But I think that, you know, the DMS being able to go outside the rules and make those things like, you know, our DM has his special rules for his campaign that go outside of, you know, what the book says here. The book says this, this, and this, but you know, this, this
1: or that. Yeah, Even in our current campaign, we've got, Two players, myself included, who use Sharpshooter. And it is... It's devastating. Uh, Stuff doesn't last very long when both of them are targeting the same thing. Especially since mine uses extra poison and his is a ranger. You know, getting those ranger abilities like Colossus Slayer and all that kind of stuff. Right. So, the other members really don't have much to do if we stand back and just take everything out from a distance. Yeah. Um, Which I understand. It's... If you've got more than one person with sharpshooter, yeah, it's a bit of a problem. So I think next next uh, campaign he may switch that to the you can only do it once per turn, which is it's fine. Yeah, literally you could. It's like the old uh, the aim feat uh, that I don't know if it's in Tasha's because I haven't gotten the chance to look through it entirely. But but it was uh, you got down on one knee and you fired a shot. You took your bonus action to actually reduce your speed to zero and fire an, an extra powerful shot. If you make sharpshooter like that. I think it balances out yeah. instead of saying every shot is a sharpshooter shot.
0: Yeah, cuz you know to think about it like, when you have that extra action as a bonus action 6 seconds and 6 seconds is a long isn't a long time. It's a long time like when I started playing like MOBAs and even like uh, MMOs and stuff, I realized how long a second truly is, but 6 seconds in combat is a short amount of time for you to do a whole lot. So to think that you're going to bonus action, you're six seconds, you're going to be able to notch two arrows, line that shot up perfectly, and do that. And You know, I, I, I'm a very reality-based kind of person. I try to base most of my the rules and things that I do off reality with physics and things like that. I'm terrible at physics, but I like to think I have some understanding of it. Uh, e equals MC squared, you know, all the fun stuff. But I think, you know, when we start thinking about that, we – we kind of like lose. We're in a fantasy world, so why couldn't you do it? Why couldn't you be able to fire? You know, notch two arrows and fire them perfectly. But at the same time, you know, we need to make sure that other players are getting to have some characters. That's they love the thrill of battle. I love playing support characters. I love mm-hmm. Anti Bane and Anti Bless, <laughs> which is Anti Bane is Bless and Anti Bless is Bane. I love those. I love sowing chaos amongst the battlefield it is one of my favorite things to do and it's t- there's been times that i've cast it on my friends just because uh, just because it was fun you remember the time uh, i don't remember <laughs> You
1: counterspelled my dad's spell <laughs> that was dick. the best
0: <laughs> cuz not only was it that i ca- not only counterspelled a beneficial spell that would have helped the group and everything but i was in the bathroom and I was like, "Yo, is he casting the spell? No, not yet. Okay, cool." And then all of a sudden, you know, I was like, "Oh, is he casting the spell?" He goes, "Yeah." I was like, "Cool, I counterspell it. I used and I was a warlock too. I was actually my little my demon summoning warlock. And I was <laughs> I only have so many spells. I think we were we were close to max level, so I think I had like four spells that I could use as a warlock, which is I'm gonna tell you, I think that's crap. I think warlocks need a little. We got the evocations and we got Eldritch Blast, but I think we need a little bit more extra spells. But counterspelling your dad from the bathroom was like one of my highlights of that night and of my career.
1: Definitely. Because he he did... He saw it coming, but there was nothing he could do to stop it.
0: No, because we needed that spell, whatever it was. And I was like, (laughs) yep, we're not using that. But he was a cleric. And so, I I love the... the love-hate... the relationship that you get between warlocks and clerics. Yeah. And... I think when your dad plays a cleric and me and your dad have that same love-hate relationship you know I love your dad to death he's been like a great friend to me for a long time now we've been friends for like four years yeah because I met you guys in 2016 uh, so he's been such a great friend to me and stuff like that and now we, we're able to joke and do those things and then it carries into the characters we are great foils for each other yeah and it works out when he plays the cleric and I'm I have to i always if he's a cleric I'm gonna be a warlock why? Because screw your god. Your god means nothing to me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and it, it, vice versa. If he's the warlock, you're the cleric.
0: Oh, I have to be. My god means everything to you now, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> take it, Christ.
1: Come get you some Christ now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh. So what? You know, you had your topics that you want to bring. I, what, what...
1: It actually fades really well into your topic, which is how, as a DM, to uh, take care of really creative solutions to problems and creative players who play things outside of the box. To bring up an example, um, we played a game of Marvel superheroes. Right. And the DM at the time um, let us build our characters and we all had our powers. And the thing is, is that we all started using our powers in ways that he couldn't counter. And that actually led to the game falling out because he couldn't keep up with us. Right. I Um, remember that. But there's another scenario that I can think of. Like, you find a chest in a room. Your rogue says, hey, wizard, shoot a firebolt at that. Make sure it's not a mimic. Okay. Firebolt goes off. It doesn't go anything. Okay. Let's see if it's trapped. Monk, throw a dart into the lock. You'll have to hit it really well. Oh, don't worry. Natural 20. Click. It's not trapped. It's now not locked. That kind of thing goes against the traditional way of playing Dungeons & Dragons. But if you think about it, you're in a large room with a chest in the center. It's a smart play.
0: Right. Well, I think that's where you start. You've actually started breaking into player knowledge versus... Pl- uh, you've broken into player knowledge versus what actually is uh, supposed to be what there. a character. Would yeah, be, what yeah. your character knows. Because mm-hmm. if you... I mean, if if you are... If you've come across Mimics before then I would understand, yes, you know, the reason to be weary. But most adventures up until, like, uh, I would say, what's the CR on a Mimic? Do you know? Uh, Three, I believe. Let's see. Uh, We'll take a look at it. Uh, You know, I'm sitting here right behind my computer (laughs) producing this whole thing, and I could just pull it up right here. So the CR on a Mimic is, it's a two. Two. So you're not going to see that roughly until what?
1: Third level? Yeah,
0: third or fourth level. So depending upon your thing, you know, they probably run across a mimic, and it may just be a chest or something. If they've never ran across a mimic in their entire campaign, uh, probably not. It may not be something natural to that world, and mm-hmm. I can understand that. I think your my biggest issue with that whole statement, though, is the natural 20. Because we always, and, you know, everybody wants that natural 20 to succeed, And I think that, yes, a natural 20 means success, but the level of success needs to be determined by the DM. And the reason it needs to be determined by the DM is because I think that people, you know, the DM's there to tell the story and help you along with the story. But, you know, if you're just walking through, you know, if you just walk through life and you're lucky and you get every time you look down, there's $20 or, you know, you just happen to fall in, you're you're Jeff Bezos' kid or something like yes. that. You know you're going to have, nat- that's naturally just, your luck is kind of like set and determined for you. You are,
1: you are a white male.
0: <laughs> yes, good old, <laughs> me and my white male privilege. It's so great, I get to be reminded about it all the time. Ugh. Mm. But I think that if you don't limit what these players are, you know, what they have, what a success truly means like what is success okay so yeah you're of course you hit the lock but i don't have to say that the the dart landed in the lock you just a natural 20 it's a lock oh well i was aiming for the lock okay well that's great but i'm telling you you just hit the lock all right it's already enough that you're that far away trying to hit a target probably it's in a, not a very well lit room you know what does a natural 20 you know determine for that success but you you're you right. We have they have to limit the players because then you start ruining the story. I think natural twenties ruin stories. We really do because not so much, I think they're great for combat, but I don't think that there should be an automatic success outside of combat.
1: Yeah, well, um, but it also it, it, it brings up the the thought that okay, you let them have that one. Couple dungeons down the road, same kind of scenario. Okay. Open a door, there's a chest in the middle of the room.
0: Have we So was that one a mimic or was it just a chest? No, it was just a chest. Okay. Have we met a mimic before?
1: I will say yes, they're part of okay. fifth level party. They had met a mimic so they had Okay, they had, so we are weary Yeah, we are uh, wary and we're we're making sure it's not a mimic. Okay. But, uh same scenario, chest in the middle of the room. Okay. You're standing at the doorway. Click. Timer goes off. You're standing at the doorway. Door still open suddenly a pool of acid drops from above you as you're sitting there in the doorway getting ready to blow In front
0: of them. me or on top of me?
1: On top of you. On
0: top of me? Okay, so... We we have to worry, be worried of getting attached to our characters. I really think that. You know, I've gone through so many characters. There's characters I really love, but I've had to watch die. And, you know, there are times that people are like, oh, well, we can save them. I was like, trust me. I think they need to die. Like, the, the, you know, I think that there are a lot of resources to make keeping characters alive but i think that sometimes Mm -hmm. you have to have that failure you don't have to reset the campaign from zero you know you can still you know by the time you're fifth level you've already told people about your campaign what you're trying to do what your whole mission is out there so there are people that are probably on your cause that you know you could reset go back to just a couple you know a few levels back start again you know these are guys that you were sitting in a bar with one night telling the stories about how you're out there to find the lo- the orb that's going to stop the lich or whatever your campaign's about. Mm-hmm. And now these are your new characters. Now you've got to pick up where your guys just died in the gelatinous acid and then if you got a really cool DM like our DM, he does a lot of callbacks. He does callbacks to our characters. Like our characters have we have we have single-handedly created his world. So as you guys now you have characters
1: Created and blown up as well. Yeah. So, man.
0: So then you get hit, you get to that point where the acid's dropped on you, and you, you know, you as a player remember it, but I'm sure there's going to be, like, as you open the door, you notice a pile of skeletons that are, are, have have rotted away or something like that, and you're like, oh, well, there's probably something there. What caused them to do that? You know, you're going to, your characters will now want to ask those questions or you actually had maybe one of the one of the players the rogues or the monks who are just naturally dodgy has survived but they know look i can't go on from here i have to go back and get a party and he goes back and you recruit the new players who are you know the same guys and you're like all right hey look when we go through here this is what it is you need those failures i think as a dm it's very important that you get those away
1: yeah no i i absolutely agree it Failure is a part of the game. Death is a part of the game. You will lose characters in your tenure with d and No. There's an old adage from Dark Sun. You roll a character, and you roll a character, and you roll a character. <laughs> you have three because they're going to die.
0: There was a... There was a... It was like a homemade movie almost. It was a cheap movie done on Amazon about this dude. Now, we've ta- we've used it as a reference before mm-hmm. where the guy makes like a th- – he has his guys at work make him a char- 100 sheets of the same character. Mm-hmm. And then every time he dies, now I'm a bard. And that one dies. Well, I'm back again. And that's what – I mean, you should – I honestly think when you create your first character, you should always create a second character. Mm-hmm. And I actually... I'm always two characters ahead. The character that I'll, I will play in one campaign was created almost two campaigns ago. I theorycraft... Uh, I spend a lot of time talking with one of our friends on, hey, what do you think about this idea? How this backstory works? How this will kind of play with these abilities? And that's part of our theorycraft sessions when we're not playing World of Warcraft together. Um, because... You know, I I, I... I love creating characters for D&D. I love... The character creation. When I went through one of my college classes, when I first started creating characters a few, uh, you know, back when I was little, I had these ideas and I got rid of them. And then when I met up with you guys, my characters weren't really well thought out. They were just like the first thing that popped in my head that I thought would be good. Mm -hmm. And now I've actually gotten to the point where I even write more than you when i'm writing these characters out because i'm like oh man they really need to know this part of his story so it'll make sense down here
1: which is difficult because i usually write two three page backstories yeah and yeah. then
0: i think my, one of my last ones was like almost eight pages yeah of, I, I was just like yo but it was a really good story though it wasn't like it was um you know i, I wasn't J.R.R. R. tolkien trying to like explain the whole world in the first few pages of the hobbit no I was actually, the characters were involved. You were getting to see, you know, motivations, greed, things like that. Actually, I had this other warlock that I had, um, a celestial warlock, where he was kind of, like, being tricked. He's an idea for maybe, like, a smaller personal campaign because he's kind of, like, he's doing something for, he's doing something to save himself, but he doesn't realize he's actually hurting everything around him. Mm -hmm. Like, every time he heals, he actually damages people's souls. Not so much as like that they're taking damage or permanent, but it marks their souls. It's kind of like a play on what's going on in World of Warcraft right now. I thought it was a really good concept, but that's you know a whole thing for another well, time.
1: That, that that again plays into the other side of having creative players is that when you have these backstories and you have these ideas and things that come and characters that are interesting and, and unique, you as a DM need to raise those characters up. You right. need to give them the drive and the motivation to do what they're doing, and you also need to um, bring them into the story. So it's it's one thing that our current DM does really well. And, yeah. And, so
0: so you think, and this is really kind of like a like I I guess one of the ways I kind of want to phrase this is do are we creating the characters for ourselves, or are we creating the characters for the DM?
1: A mix. Uh, it, it's a cop out answer, but it is absolutely. A I think mix. it is a cop out answer. Uh, and it, I want to
0: hear your reasoning, though. You want to hear my... Okay. Okay.
1: So you are creating the character for yourself first and foremost, um, from theory crafting, from um, you know building the character up the way you want and want to play them, want to role play them. That's all you. But then, as soon as you start writing that backstory and getting involved in the campaign, right? That's when it's for the DM. So, yes, it is both because you start out for you and then you end up with the DM. And at least in my experience, that's how I like to do it. Um, Now, that's not necessarily the way uh, another player does it or even another DM does it. But just from my standpoint, I always build a character for me, for me to have enjoyment in the game. And then I then give the DM the tools to bring that character in. Like I have a character in a game about to play in a little while. Um, His name is Luminous Gregorio. He is very large man. Don't be bitch. Don't be bitch. Don't be bitch. He has very nice long hair, long beard. He's barbarian. He also wears fancy dress and heels. And it was just it came out of a meme I saw and I wanted to build that character. Yeah. But by working with our DM for that game, he now has a presence in the story more than just, I am pretty man with big hammer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, man. I I see. Here's what I, th- I think it's backwards. I think the DM creates the stories for the players, but the players create the sto- uh, characters for the DM. And the reason I think this is because the DM already knows the story. He knows where he wants you to go. And you don't. You come in, and you're almost hearing the story and stuff like that. You are essentially providing him the actors. You know, we are the agents Our characters are the actors. We have said, okay, I want Bulg, I want the pirate captain, I want all these other guys in here to play this role in your story. And I really, truly believe that these guys are now part of his. Their successes, their failures, their quarrels with other players, their quarrels with NPCs. You know, the DM, he doesn't truly he just knows where A is and where Z is. All right, how you're going to get to the alphabet is going to be that little kid learning his alphabet for the first time. You may go over to M, and now you're going to go back to T and over to Q, and you're going to be bouncing around everywhere. Eventually, you're going to get to Z, and it's probably going to be pretty messy. (laughs) <laughs> and Everywhere out there,
1: sometimes you don't even get to Z.
0: Right, sometimes you don't even get to Z. You just stop somewhere at T, and you're like, all right, you know, we're just going to blow the world up and call yeah, it. Yeah, you take
1: a you take a level ten spell bomb and take it to a giant army and say, you know, we're going straight to Omega. That's it. We're yep. done.
0: Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. I think that we truly create, we bring the actors for the DM, and that the DM is bringing the story for us. I don't see it as that, and you make some good points on it being a mix. I just don't want to get into. I I just want to, you know, the players. They come in and they want to do their story their way, and how all and the DM incorporates their little parts to it. And this is where I don't think that it's you know it's how it is. It's vice versa. The story for the the stories for the players, the characters are for the DM but he'll incorporate their stories into it, and he'll change the world around them, but does, in the end, you're still marching to his story. So we're there for his story, he's there for our characters.
1: Yeah, it, it's all a part of the same side of the coin. Um, and I want this said perfectly clear, because this is what flame wars are started for online, <laughs> and in forums, and and Jeremy Crawford is a is a figurehead for this, but... There is no wrong way to play D&D. If you like to be a power gamer, find you a group that does that. If it's not gelling well with your current group. If your current group doesn't care, go for it, man. Play D&D the way you want to play. Whoa. DM D&D the way you want to DM. Because yeah. you'll draw in those people around you who become lifelong friends like we all have. Yeah. Because we gel so well together. Even when we don't get uh, agree with the characters, and we've done this, um, another player and I have, have actually got, literally had characters at each other's throats, but afterwards we're like, yeah, man, don't worry about it. It's it's it, all players.
0: I, I can still probably go back in and dig through the messages where you're like, hey, man, I just want to apologize about this. Like, dude, fuck it, dude. It was just a character. Yeah. I, I think that people need to... I think people really do need to come in and realize that like it is just a game. And I think... That if we, there is no wrong way to play this game, but I think there are wrong ways to address how people are, or there's wrong way, there's no wrong way to play the game, there's a wrong way to be a player of the game. I think that's the whole. That,
1: lo- I I, yeah, I can agree with that. If, all right, if you are causing disruption to the point where you're making things bad for other players and for the DM, you're playing it. You yeah. are playing it incorrectly.
0: There's there's nothing wrong with sowing a little bit of chaos. Like, I'm I'm very good about creating characters that just know how to... And it's not that they're bad characters. They're really good. They do the things that they're supposed to do. But there's a difference between going in there and causing a little bit of chaos here and there. And then there's ones where players who... Um, you know, we were talking about about uh, the Blade Singer here beforehand. We knew this player that just thought the Blade Singer was the world's greatest character, and he had to tell everybody about why he was so great. And he always wanted to make sure that he was that great, and he was always going to be the best. And I got to the point I was like, "Look, man, I can tell you three ways right now how I can beat a Blade Singer without even trying. Three ways, because there's nothing you can do about it." Yep. And it and it like lost it, and it got to the point that I just had to stop talking to this dude because every time i talked to him i started like it started driving in on me and i was like yo this is not this way to play the game you know we should be coming in here and i shouldn't have got onto him like that i'll I'll be honest but at the same time i i needed him to kind of calm down and realize what he was doing like he was really kind of ruining the experience for us there is a wrong way to play this game a wrong way to be a player of this game not a wrong way to play the game because you know Right now, I know of two ways to play D&D. There is the traditional way that we play, and then there's the way that Dan Harmon plays with his friends, which if you've ever seen Community or Harmon Quest, they play it in a way that's really weird, where the only person who actually rolls is the DM. You just tell the story. I think it's a more creative way to tell the story. Mm -hmm. I think it doesn't require as much... It, It requires a little bit of help you still have to create character sheets and things like that, but I think it it it's more of a storytelling version of the game versus telling it in the version of, you know, where ours are kind of like the players are... I feel like the players have more of an effect on the story in Dan Harmon's way than ours do because, you know, they're telling them how they want to go about the actions and the DM just kind of, like, goes along with it. it. It it requires a little bit more improv. And
1: in, in that case, the, it's... The rules are more of guidelines than they are of actual <laughs> rules, which is it's a viable way to play the game. Again, it's it's up to your DM. It's up to your group. It's up to your players how they go about playing the game. And that's really what this podcast is all about, how we, as veteran players, ven- veteran DMs, how we see this, yeah. and how we play, how we DM. And really, it's, it, it is a traditional style, but I think we bring enough uh, – Panache to it, yeah. Oh, that it's, it's different. Oh yeah, I A mean those
0: ads. Oh yeah, definitely. I've got I got spirit fingers. I yeah, got spirit
1: fingers. I I think no, that's 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 vodka vodka oh. fingers.
0: Ooh, vodka fingers. <laughs> I I do I do see that, and I think that you know as we kind of go in and we try to like dial in more on this on this podcast, you know, we talked about we didn't talk about any certain rules and stuff like that. We talked about mostly about theories today, which isn't bad. Um, I think. I think if people understood it from the DM's point of view, they would understand why they let certain things go, like why you know why a DM will let a character's rules or let let a character do something regardless of what the rule says, because he wants to see how it plays out, mm-hmm. because it could be good for his story. you know it, this could lead into a reason, like if, let's say the pirate captain was able to go through the window. And everybody's like, "Well, there was bars on these windows when I tried breaking in." And he goes, "Well, the pirate captain's just this big hulking dude because he was. He was a. Uh, he was very much based off uh, the cool tier and build from World of Warcraft because I like their atmosphere. I love their pirate theme, but they. Um, he was a bigger dude. If he'd have gone through there, and we'd have found out that there was like." one of the guys that we were looking for this was like a front house for their like drug smuggling operations and now we know where we can go Mm -hmm. raid their house and things like that i think discussing these rules and saying hey yes it says and or or but here are the situations that we've come across that says why do you have to do it this way why can't we go and do it in a way that says this this or this you know and uh, you know, next I wanted to focus in like we spent like the first few minutes of this one. I really wanted to tell people who we were, and we did that. We did a really good job. You got to say, "Hey, look, I'm bold. This is what it is You know what we really didn't truly say is like you know how long we've been playing, a little bit more about us. And I think we could f- spend the instead last few our, minutes yeah, of that
1: instead of our characters, us as individuals. Right.
0: I, I mean, we are important as individuals, but I think on this podcast, I want people to kind of bring. I, I want them to bring their favorite character because I want them.
1: You is kind. You is important
0: ow let's not get ahead of ourselves I'm smart kind and important well, I'm important oh yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think that you know getting to getting to know us I mean honestly I don't even want to do that because I think people are going to get to know us the more they listen to this yeah. Yeah. you know they're going to get to see our our points of views we're not I mean, I'm not a philosophical person I'm you know what is to DM and what is to DM
1: Mongo only pawn in game of life yeah
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, I uh, I just don't I don't see where I I just don't see you know where people get to the, where they get so deep into these rules that they forget that they're playing a game.
1: Yeah,
0: you know, and I think that's what this podcast is really going to help out. Where people can go, well, you know, the, you know, on on this episode of Recipes for Everything, you know, Chef Bogue was out there talking about how. You know, you really can't bounce the Flaming Sphere. And the pirate captain's like, well, I don't think you should be able to uh, But I agree with Chef Bolx. We're going to be able to bounce the Flaming Sphere. And I want want people to be able to listen to this. And that's what they can take
1: away from it. Which, if you do play the Flaming Sphere that way... More power to you because it oh, yeah. is hilarious watching oh, yeah. enemies just bounce around inside that area of effect.
0: Oh, it's hilarious! It's like every time it lands, it le- releases this little shock wave of like fire, and it's only got to travel, I think, like ten feet, and mm-hmm. not even so it goes up because it, it doesn't have. That would would have been like the real. If you really wanted to limit it from doing that, I think that's actually something you could do. Is you actually have to make it move laterally; it can't move horizontally. Can't move, yeah,
1: can't move vert- vertically. Yeah. Or
0: yeah. Uh, sorry. Horizontally, <laughs> it can move but, laterally, but so God, God forbid, it moves horizontally. But
1: even that, you can just back it up and ram it back into. Well, see, a router. lot of times
0: I would summon it in the middle of people, yeah. and so you couldn't move because it can't just travel through people. It has to, it stops whenever it hits a solid object, is the way it's worded. So you know that's one of those things that the, we. I think that you know we were talking up to DM's discretion, but I think that if you give too much discretion to him, or if you kind of like shy away too much from the rules. That you really, then you have kind of like of a free for all, and people are gonna like try it and like break or uh, make or break the whole game.
1: The, the flaming fear goes up his ass and comes out of his mouth.
0: And when he does it, his whole organs are cauterized.
1: No, no more pooping.
0: I love I love my nerd voice. I I, I think that was your brother in law that started the nerd voice, and then I picked it up and I'm like, yeah, you're making lasers, lasers, yeah. But um he uh most
1: majors can eat
0: oh my god don't start with that <laughs> oh it's uh but i think breaking having those those having like a just, you don't even have to have a, like a great understanding of the rules like everybody thinks that when you buy this when you start playing this game that you need to i think they go in with the some people go in with the idea that they have to be the best at it so they're trying to buy all the books and stuff like that i think that if you really want to go in and start playing this, grab the PHP and focus in like I don't outside of I I don't even go to um, backgrounds anymore. I honestly hate backgrounds. And it's not that they're bad. I think that they kinda of give a little bit I think that's in your I think that's in the storytelling of your character. I I, I get why they tried putting them in there, but I think that was just kind of a waste. Mm-hmm. I think if you just made your character a noble, you know, you got starting goal or stuff like that. Sometimes you just don't need to if you have money, if you come from money, I get that, but it's it's kind of like over... I think it's an overused trait to kind of like go around like the DM stuff to go, well, you guys are all going to be poor. Well, I'm a noble background. <sighs> all right, it doesn't really make sense with the story, but okay. So you can be rich and you can buy the things you want. But I think backgrounds have kind of like truly ruined that part. But when I go through the PHB, I... I go through. I, I double check to make sure my numbers are correct. Make sure that you know I have the right modifiers for my stats, uh, and then I don't. I go through the class, and if I need to go to um, anything else, I will be. Uh, I will go to Xanthar's Guide because that's actually my favorite. After Tasha's, Tasha's has become my favorite book. Because Xanthar's is my second favorite. I'll make sure mm-hmm. I, there's no spells in there that I want uh, or things like that. I, I I go player class, equipment, and I I still always bring the 50 foot of hemp and rope. I don't know about anybody else, but I always have 50 hey, foot of hemp and rope. One
1: thing you need the stupid fucking rope for.
0: I, I, one thing you're going to need the stupid fucking rope for? How many times have you tried to tie up goblins? Oh yeah, you murder all the goblins. <laughs> Never mind. I need them. Oh man, I, you got to know what my caltrops do. I love my caltrops. Um, except for
1: one goblin one goblin we, well we tied him up but we put him in a bag
0: <laughs> oh man i remember when i was like a suave talk- talking goblin oh that was fun like I, everybody's like goblins are ugly no one would want to date a goblin so i'm a goblin with like super high charisma he's still ugly and i think that's going to actually be something i want to talk about my ne- on, on our next episode is like what charisma really means because i, I think people like game break charisma
1: yeah yeah, you can get a game break charisma, very, very much so. Because yeah. bards are one of my favorite classes, and you can absolutely make a broken bard.
0: Yeah, I don't, um, but so I, I do the equipment and I do spells. That's it. Mm-hmm. I don't really truly try to venture out too much unless there is like something I absolutely have to know, like cones, uh, the diagrams right before you go to the spell spell part of the book. When I actually write down my spells and stuff like that, if I if it's something more than damage. I'll actually just write, like, the page I can find it on, and then mm-hmm. I do the abbreviation for the book. So for, like, Tasha's, it would be TCE. So I know, okay, it's page 72 in the TCE. Okay, Tasha's, pull it out. Sh, 72, okay, this is what the spell does. And that's it. Because if you start delving too deep into the rules and stuff like that, you're going to be on this, like, almost like this conspiracy theorist of how the rules work, and you'll never, you'll never get anywhere with it.
1: Yeah. It's... The rules are an important part of the game. They're there to help us play the game. But at the same time, you've got to create an experience that everybody's going to enjoy. And sometimes, sometimes the rules get in the way of that. And again, the rule of cool it applies. Yeah.
0: You're going to have to write a whole promo on the rule of cool.
1: <laughs> the promo hey, the rule of cool is bulk There you go. I'm cool. <laughs> <laughs>
0: If Bo would do it, then it's cool. I
1: just—I <laughs> do I my pants. It's cool. <laughs> well,
0: I guess we all got to pee our pants now. It's oh, it's gonna be a wild one. Now you got me doing the voice.
1: <laughs> uh, made them pee their pants. <laughs> oh,
0: I—I I just don't want people to kind of—and I, I, I said we played the games with the rules, lawyers, and stuff like that. You know, and honestly, some of my more favorite players are people that I honestly can't stand as people, but they were really good players because they didn't so much harp on the rules. They were terrible people. And I think you already know who I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was really good just as a player. Like, as a, as a as a character in the game, he was really good. As a player, he was just a terrible person.
1: Yeah, but uh, in defense of our friends who are the rules lawyers, sometimes they do keep you honest. Sometimes you just misread a spell. It does happen.
0: I... I think that they're super easy, uh, super useful when you have like you bring somebody new into the game. Like, you know, when we played there at the at, at the shop and stuff like that, we had people coming in all the time, mm-hmm. but they just you know, either they knew too much. I'd rather I'd rather take a player from fresh and show him how to play. Mm-hmm. Then take somebody who's played for years and years and, and try to adapt them to your oh yeah your
1: system and your way of playing.
0: You know, the one the one phrase I cannot stand. Well, you know, and I love Pathfinder. I'd rather much play Pathfinder than I would play Five E. But I think I enjoy Five E a lot too. But this isn't three five, or this isn't three zero. This is the way we did in 3.0 because no one played four apparently. Like that whole get bridge <laughs> between three point five <laughs> yeah. and five.
1: I know I sure didn't.
0: Yeah. But they were like, you know, it, it got to that point that it's just like...
1: Well, back in 2nd edition, and mm-hmm. in, 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 in skills and powers, and gods and deity. Well, oh, this is 5th edition. Yeah. This is 5th edition, dude. Do we don't we don't have skills and powers. I wish we did. We don't.
0: Yeah. Oh, no. Uh, that's that's another conversation for another yeah, time. An, another day. Yeah. I tell you what, though, man. It has actually been an hour. So I th- what do you think we call it, call it for this one?
1: Oh, we were going to go over us as individuals a little bit. Little a little
0: bit. bit. Okay. A little bit. So... Go ahead and tell me, uh, tell the players a little bit about you as either as a DM or as a player. We'll leave it to your discretion.
1: Well, we'll go with a player because I've been a player a lot longer than I've been a DM. Right. Um, I started playing when I was eight because my dad actually helped play test for TSR and Steve Jackson back in the day. Oh. So I never really had a chance. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I've always had D&D in my blood. And it was my first tattoo. Uh and i I played through second, I played three, three point five, skipped over four, everybody did, and then, after a period of not playing for a while, my dad got us back into it, and we started playing with d hundred systems and then eventually we found the little game shop that we all met at, and it was fifth edition from there, yeah, occasionally you know jumping into other things like made or um, you guys have done, you've created your yeah, own. Yeah, you've created your own system. We, we created our own system, you know. All
0: right, well, since you did player this time, I think I'm going to do DM. Uh, I have been a DM for a few years. I've DM'd on both deployments overseas. I've DM'd, uh, I started playing, I have to say, at least say when I started playing, I started playing around the same age. Um, I actually, my landlord's sons, uh, one was the same age as I, one was a year older than I. And we became really good friends, and they showed me... He actually showed me how to play Pathfinder. Pathfinder is where I started learning to play, and then I learned to play D&D. When I started playing D&D, I, I, I just loved the idea of numbers and abilities and trying to, like, do really cool things. And then I was like, as a DM, you actually have more power to help players to really enjoy stories, and I love telling a good story.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's how i ended up getting into dming and like i said i've dm'd several years i like to bring as a dm i like to bring a little bit of reality into my games i don't like to you know i think there's amazing things that we see in movies and stuff like that and it's you get those guys that are army guys and they watch movies and stuff like that and if you have an army friend that watches you watch a movie with he goes yeah we wouldn't do it like that no that doesn't happen like that No, that nobody would ever do things like that, that's what I wanted to bring into my games. I was like, I want people to think that, you know, there are real-life consequences of doing things. If I jump from a 10-foot tower, yeah, I'm only going to take so much damage, but there's going to be implications. Like, I'm going to start feeling my joints move. I'm going to start losing dexterity points. So You're
1: going to twist your ankle when you you land. That's where the pain comes from, buddy.
0: Yeah, you've got to have... There's got to be real-life consequences to your actions. Otherwise, you know... You're not really truly thinking. You're you're just doing it because, of. You're just doing it because you you know it's easier for you. You know you don't want to take the time. You want to get right there in the action. But you you have to understand your consequences to action. So that's where, that's the style I DM. That's how I like to be as a DM. Is I, I just like to bring reality. I'm willing to bend with rules, in a lot of areas that you know, because I want to see where things play out. Mm-hmm. I I will give you the options. If it's something that I think is going to absolutely just break the game, then I'm probably going to tell you no. But if it's a simple thing of you know, hey, I just uh I just want to try this real quick. Let's see how it works. Okay, let's see. And as you I cast the fireball onto the mimic chest, the chest explodes, coins going everywhere, potions. You see a scroll ignite inside the... A scroll flop out of its mouth as it ignites in the fireball, ca- uh, causing another explosion right there. More coins and fluids jump out everywhere. And as your friend scrounge around to gather the quick-flying gold coins, you realize that there's diamonds and everything else. And I just want to give him the chance to, you know, something cool. For something, Sometimes something little can be something cool. And that's how I, as a DM like to play
1: yeah and then, i mean that yeah that was the next step is that you know that chest it it might just have an ab fireball and might be very very flammable and suddenly that room is a large explosion
0: see and i'll even add the physics to that and that's what i loved about i don't know if you've seen the anime goblin slayer i
1: have Do
0: yes. you remember when they threw like the finite sawdust inside the room to kill the uh Baylor? i was like mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> that's how you do it Use your science, you silly science people. So, with that being said, I think this will actually be the end of it. Go ahead and say goodbye, Bogue. Goodbye, Bog. And that'll be it for me, the Pirate Captain. You have been listening to Chef Bog's and the Pirate Captain's Recipes for Everything. Be sure to catch them bi-monthly wherever you get your podcast from. You can email them at bogandpc at gmail.com. And remember, when all else fails... You can blame it on the gnome.